CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to CLNSmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. It's Celtics coverage on CLNSRadio.com. Right now and share your thoughts toll free three four seven two one five seven 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 one. Hello, Joe. It's Bobby Manning what? here. I'm what is happening, Celtics. Bobby Manning? On the Celtics post game show, and you've all heard by now. There's no secret that the NBA has been postponed. So that means. What was supposed to be in this very time slot right here, Joe, I think it was an 8 o'clock game that was supposed to be going on in Milwaukee tonight. Um, yes, the sir. Celtics and, the Celtics and Bucks did not play tonight. Nor will the Celtics play for quite some time now, and who knows how long it'll be. Um, Adam Silver came out today and said that the NBA's hiatus is going to be at least 30 days. I think common sense tells all of us that it's going to be a little bit longer than that. So... We look ahead to June, to July, perhaps August, and the NBA Finals in August. Could you imagine that? Normally, it's the most dead sports time of the year. But it's something that had to happen, and we're going to come at it from every angle tonight. We'll do it with your calls if you want to join in. Uh, this is probably going to be our last broadcast for quite some time here, but it felt like we couldn't on a Pacers-Celtics midweek game. <laughs> we're down on the wire, right, Joe? Oh, it was. I'll tell you, Bobby, it's it's sad to see where we're at. But on the flip side of that, I think it's necessary where we're at currently. I mean, when you think about the coronavirus outside of the world of sports, it's a global pandemic. It's definitely all of the major sports leagues, as well as the college, collegiate, um, and even youth we're seeing now are taking steps with an abundance of caution in mind. And as sad as it sounds that we're not doing a Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Boston Celtics post game tonight, which, you know, kind of thought was going to be a showcase game on Thursday night. Um, we're instead doing a special edition uh, post game here on CLNS media with a coronavirus update. Um, and I think tonight we'll, like you said, we'll touch on all aspects of the impact that this COVID-19 uh, virus is having across the entire um, spectrum of sports, whether it be the NCAA March Madness tournament, which also was supposed to start today. Um, and, you know, Bobby, I'd like to get your feel because I know that you're dialed into the NCAA. Um, this isn't going to be rescheduled, is it? No, there, <laughs> there's so many logistics at play that make it impossible. Starting with what we saw today. Now, I woke up pretty late today because yesterday was absurd <laughs> you were one of the first people i texted when the when the nba got postponed and it was insane I, the only thing i can think of that flipped that rapidly was looking back at that trade deadline in 2015 when nothing was happening at all there was five minutes to go and then on the celtics and about like four or five other trades happened at the same time and i was following Woj back then and that was like the most rapid fire i'd ever seen Woj go and yesterday, in the first quarter, 
our first half, rather, I'm watching Syracuse and North Carolina, who, of course, had their game go on last night. Uh, the logistics of that made it so that there were people already lined up outside the stadium. Uh, they had made the decision earlier in the day that they were going to do the rest of that tournament without fans. So they couldn't really shut the game down or pull the fans out. I guess they could have, but it didn't feel necessary at that point. Then in the first half of this game, I want to say it was about 10 minutes in. I'm scrolling through Twitter as I was most of the day. And we saw the breaking news that Rudy Gobert had contracted coronavirus. And without even having a minute to react to that, which was just earth shattering, like not only did an NBA player contract it after all the steps they took to prevent a player from contracting it, but one of the stars of the league, frankly, um, picked it up. And then, of course, today we learned that uh, Donovan Mitchell picked it up as well. And then within a minute, Woj tweets the NBA has been postponed. And that's when I texted you uh, at that point. A move as drastic as that made it so that it didn't feel even immediately like much of the sports world, at least for now, was going to be able to go on. And then, of course, into today, I wake up midday. It was already announced by that point that the rest of the ACC tournament wasn't going to continue. So Syracuse won last night, and that ends up being their last game of the season. They were supposed to play at 9 o'clock tonight. Uh, would have been watching it at this very moment, and now their season is over. And with all the conference tournaments ending the way they did, like pretty much every conference tournament, which is basically a tournament within the conferences to decide who's going to get an automatic bid into March Madness, those all ended early. So at first they were like, all right, we'll give the best team in each conference that automatic bid. Yeah. And they were going to give March Madness. They were going to try to continue March Madness without fans. But once all this happened the day before, it just seemed so unlikely. Like there were going to be professional players not playing, but they were going to send amateur college athletes out there across the country when they're saying don't travel, don't be in airports, all of that. It just seems so unlikely. And then, of course, today, the NCAA announced that um, March Madness is not going to happen. Um, And, you know, it's different circumstances, Joe. The pros are in this for their lives until they retire. Um, College players up and down, whether it's the one and dones or the hopefuls, they're all looking at the NBA once college ends. And a lot of them leave campus. A lot of them discontinue doing classes, all that kind of thing. So all those people are going to be in a weird limbo right now. And, you know, if we get back to any semblance of normalcy by May, who knows how that will affect things because it could have a ripple effect from what the NBA decides to do with the draft and everything like that. But it's just so hard to imagine everybody getting back with their teams and eligibility concerns and all of that. Like, it just feels like this is a wash at this point. But at least for our perspective, it feels like the NBA could be continued. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I think, you know, from a business perspective, when you look at the the NCAA, the NCAA March Madness Tournament, like you pointed out, the the venues in which they were going to play in, these are leased of venues. These are not home, home courts, per se, usually. Um, so they have these lease agreements in place. And the second you have to start postponing, suspending, or rescheduling, that's where the nightmares come in because these have been booked out years in advance, you know? So whether it's the NCAA tournament this week or it's Disney on ice the next week, or it's, you know, you name it, it, it there, there's a, a constant calendar of events that's going to transpire and you can't just start bumping everybody backwards. So 
unfortunately, um, it looks like the 2020 NCAA March Madness tournament is a no-go. Uh, however, I do believe that you will see a resumption of play across all the major sports because primarily here on CLNS Media, uh, we do the Celtics post game after each and every Celtics win or loss here on the, uh, the air for you. And we welcome you to call in at 347-215-7771. Each and every time we do it, whether you get Bobby, Taylor, myself, Joel, Nick, I mean, there's a whole snotty, there's a whole litany of us that love doing these post games that are also going to be on the outside looking in for the next number of days, weeks, um, as we go down this path. That being said, you know, I, I think it's important that we mention that the NBA is not um, exclusive in the suspension of play, nor is the NCAA, nor is basketball. Um, the MLB has called for the cancellation of the remainder of spring training with a two-week push to be reevaluated afterwards on opening day for Major League Baseball. Uh, the NHL has suspended the season currently. MLS soccer has suspended the season. You're, you're looking at this touching all major sports people. Um, XFL will be the next shoe to drop. I haven't seen a, an announcement for that. And I Bobby, believe they canceled today. Did they? And I'll tell yeah. you, Bobby, you've been dropping, you've been dropping hot takes literally since this went down. You're right. You texted me literally as Woj put it out there. And I didn't even see Woj's tech. I didn't even see his tweet before I saw your text. Um, in fact, on my phone, because I follow Woj too, your text came in before Woj's notification on my Twitter showed up on my <laughs> home screen. Bomb. And I'll tell you, I questioned you on both of them. I said, are you kidding me? I haven't seen anything. I heard that they're going to play with nobody in there. And I could tell you were so deep into Twitter at that moment. You weren't, you weren't fresh for responses. You were just breaking news and dropping, dropping texts, you know, as quickly as you were reading it off the Twitter feeds. And I'll tell you, it's, it's definitely changed. You know, I follow a lot of people on Twitter that are peripheral um, quasi sports fans slash writers slash broadcasters. And, you know, there's a couple here in our local market that, you know, they don't know what the hell they're going to do with themselves. You know, this is their life. I mean, for, for me, this is a side hobby that I, I absolutely love doing. I love being on the air with you. I love being on the air doing the Celtics. Um, and I love doing my other podcast. But right now I'm down to my other podcast and my regular job. And even at that, as you know, Bobby, and those that listen to you know the podcast that I do, um, I travel a crap ton for work. This week alone, I was on four planes in 24 hours. Um, so I am probably patient zero. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's levels to this, certainly. And everybody's been talking about like how this affects them. Uh, there's certainly a grander level here where we think about the people who this is going to affect most, uh, the autoimmune, the elderly population. I mean, this all goes back to people like that who just can't afford to coming into contact with this virus and the people who are spreading it in many cases, such as Rudy Gobert and such as Donovan Mitchell yeah. are not showing any symptoms whatsoever. And that's what's so dangerous about this. I think two weeks ago, it was all so hard for us to understand what made this any different from the flu or, you know, that, that was the most common take out there. Like this is just the flu all over again. And it was hard to argue with, you know, the, the coronavirus at its very core is just like the cold virus. I mean, this is what I've learned uh, well, reading up on it, but it's mutated to a point where it it can 
be inside you for as much as a week without showing any symptoms. And that's how this spreads so rapidly for it. I think everybody who gets this infects between two to six people. And there's a lot of good yeah. facts out there. I know people are going to have a little bit of free time on their hands without the Celtics and without sports. So it, there's definitely some time out there to go and read up on this. And then, you and know, there's sure- more of a, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, make sure that when you are reading up on this, folks, if you're listening to Bobby and I tonight, uh, make sure that you're getting your information from reputable sources. Don't allow this this pandemic to be politicized. Stick with the CDC, the WHO, which is the World Health Organization. Stick to your local, regional, and and, uh, state-level officials in the briefings that they're providing because they're not politicizing it. They're actually utilizing this as an opportunity to get the actual information out to people. And that's, you know, to your point, Bobby, there's plenty of information on CDC and WHO regarding coronavirus. It's, it's makeup, it's incubation period, it's mortality rate. And, you know, you're going to see one thing I can subscribe to is you're going to see the mortality rate dissipate down closer towards the 1% factor when you have a larger sample size. Right now we have broken information from the origin, the origin spot of the the virus outbreak. Um, We're getting better information from the countries that are most severely hit outside of there, which would be Italy and Iran. Um, And then we're also going to be utilizing our own testing here in the United States as that gets on board. And through that, through, additional information and additional time, you're going to get a much clearer picture as to what we're dealing with. This is as scary as it is, folks, at the end of the day, because there is no vaccine. There's a vaccine for the flu, and it still wipes out 20,000 people a year. And Um, and that's the thing. Like, when people were saying, like, oh, it's just the flu, like, was it good that thousands and thousands of people were dying from that? You know what I mean? Like, this, this feels so different to everybody, and everybody's looking at this through the lens of, oh, this is never what we, we never used to do this and everything was fine. Well, if you look at the results of how diseases of the past played out, it really wasn't fine for quite a number of different people. And when you think about the suggestions of, like you said, the World Health Organization, the CDC, like we're not at a loss for information here. Like these organizations, these experts have very well thought out plans to being implemented well in many different places. And all you have to do is kind of just buy into those people and let them take the wheel here. Like you said, like leave the politics out of it and, you know, leave the past and your perspective out of it because this does seem like a good idea. When you really think about it, was it good that thousands and thousands of people were going to sports stadiums and being piled right on top of each other when we didn't have much of a clue at all how many people had this? Like, I don't think there's any doubt at all that this was a good move. And now you're saying governments in general, it doesn't matter whether it's concerts or town meetings or any kind of event that had over 200 people, even Broadway, uh, Governor Broadway Cuomo shut down. Said, yeah, Broadway is going to be limited, and I guess shut down if uh, that's the latest you've seen on it. I saw that it was going to be limited, but either way, everything well, the way, is changing. The way, they, the, the way they pitched it, Bobby, was that um, Governor Cuomo has limited public gatherings to less than 500. Yeah. The downside of that is every single theater in New York City on Broadway holds over 500 people. So for the first yeah. time since the 1940s during World War II, Broadway will be dark tonight. And that's, Ugh. you know, that's just... Again, it's a preventative measure to your point. It's what they're trying to do is get in front of it. 
reduce the, the p- possibility or potential of contamination or spreading of the virus uh, from person to person by restricting the amount of opportunities we have as a you know naive po- populace of getting in these these situations where we could be either a exposed or be previously exposed and transmitting. So, you know, to your point, yes, it's a phenomenal move by the league, the individual leagues, because the government didn't dictate that they did this. The leagues themselves took the lead on this. The NBA took the lead, MLB, NHL, um, MLS, NCAA. They all took the lead on restricting access to better protect the athletes, the employees, the front office staff, everybody involved to try to lessen the blow as best they can. This is all a preventative measure that we hope in time will reduce the total number of infected individuals across the country. And and that's what I told people. Everyone's down in the dumps about this. And I've certainly been too. It was just a bummer going into like my day job today and thinking about the fact that there'd be no games at night and certainly nothing to look forward to on the basketball front for quite some time. But when you think about this, this is, what it takes to make this better over the long run. If we just try to push business as usual for the foreseeable future, it was only going to get worse. And this is what allows the recovery to happen faster. In fact, if you look at some of the countries that were affected first by this, and they obviously took very different, harsher means to combat this that might not be possible here, things are improving depending on how you believe the different governments that are putting that information out there. Because at the end of the day, it is in a lot of these governments' interest to have these problems be a little lessen, whether it be China or South Korea or some of the other countries that were hit first by this. But there does seem to be some evidence that things have improved there. And those countries felt this back in December, January, and now we're into March. So if the U.S. handles this the right way, we could be looking at an improvement into, I don't know, May, which like, I mean, there's so many different segments of society that get hit by this. But for me, as you know, Joe, I graduate early in December, um, you know, school had been going on most of my class still up at Syracuse into the spring. And now school's been called off after spring break, um, wow. at least until March 30th. That's what they're going with up there. They're going to have everybody do online classes through March 30th. And then after that, who knows what's going to happen? So that leaves a lot of students in a limbo, whether they're international students or people who don't have like a stable place to return to. And then we look ahead to graduation in May. Is, is that even going to happen? So a lot of anxiety, a lot of sadness from different classmates that I have who are looking at this and saying, like, today, by all measures, was the last day of senior year for many of them. And they basically had to pack up not knowing if they'd see any of their classmates again, which is just one small case on a grand scale here. And there's different levels of severe situations that people are facing. But as we always say, everybody has different um, perspectives and different situations that they're in, and those affect them differently you know like obviously the most impacted people by this are the people who are losing their jobs because the businesses are shut down and that that's the concession workers at td garden that's you know halftime across the street and the people who depend on these leagues and these events to make money of their own And bless Mark Cuban and the different people who are out there. I know Mark Cuban's been the most notable, but Kevin Love today pledged tens of thousand dollars to stadium workers in Cleveland. This is all important. And this is all stuff that 
You know, Joe, like normally we use sports as a way to like look away from all these different issues in the world. But when sports led the way really on waking a lot of people up as to how serious this was, I think it gave people like us, especially who are just so ingrained in this, the chance to look up and see those situations and those people that were going to be most hurt by this. And, you know, it's great to see some people stepping up and getting ahead of what's going to be a really tough few months for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the meshing of two worlds that you use one to escape the other is the perfect way to put it that that you, you framed it for it. Um, I will say this, and you know, I, I like to, whether I'm doing a Celtics post game, whether we're doing a special edition coronavirus update 2020 here on CLNS or whether I'm doing my podcast um, that I do outside of CLNS, I try to incorporate a PSA uh, with a little bit of a a sarcastic flair to it. So with that being said, um, to take this, you know, to continue on the coronavirus uh, subject line, but actually impart a little anecdotal story. Um, I, if you can hear me, if you are downloading this on iTunes after Bobby and I are done being on here live, if you want to call in and challenge me on my next statement, feel free to call us in at 347-215-7771. But I'm not backing down from this. The next person that I see, and you can go on Twitter at Joe Shoket. My photo's up there. Take a look. The next person I find at the grocery store with an entire carriage filled with one to two items that are that they are hoarding, be it toilet paper, sanitary wipes, disinfectant, um, sanitizer, I, I will flip your cart. I'm just throwing it out there. I had to go to the store today, check the house. You know, I was walking through today. I noticed, oh, crap, toilet paper's low. I went under the sink in the vanity. There was no toilet paper. I went downstairs. I looked in the other bathroom. There was no What's, toilet paper. All right. So let me get this. I'll, I'll have you touch on this because I've failed to understand that with this. All right. Purell, yeah. get it. People are hoarding Purell. Uh, you know, lotion wipes, all those different kind of like disinfecting things. Well, yep. what suddenly made toilet paper the rationed item? <laughs> so I, 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 oddly, and don't, don't ask me why I know this, but I know this. People are hoarding toilet paper specifically because they fear being quarantined in their home for an extended period of time, and they view toilet paper as a bare necessity item. So toilet paper, bottled water, rice, it's like we're getting, you know, Bobby, you're from the Northeast, so am I. When we have a big storm coming in, whether it be a nor'easter or a blizzard in the winter months, all of a sudden, you go, to, you go to Market Basket, you go to Hannaford, you go to Stop and Shop, Shaw's, you can't find water, milk, eggs, bread. Because apparently a snowstorm in New England means everybody's having French toast for dinner. But, <laughs> but, but I'll hey, tell I, you. If there was anything I'd be hoarding, I'd be the egg hoarder. <laughs> oh, I'm down with you on, on eggs. For me, it would have been Oreos and, and, and Chips Ahoy. But the... the <laughs> The, the friggin' toilet paper thing, I almost lost it. I'm walking through the aisles of Market Basket today, and there's, I won't, you know, I don't know their name, so I won't say it. I'll just say that there was a person in their mid-50s, um, male gender, with an entire shopping cart filled and underneath, the underneath filled all the way to the top with toilet paper. And I looked <laughs> at him, as I was walking down the aisle, I looked at him, and I realized, he, now, I'm a little picky. 
I'm a, I'm a, I'm an angel soft guy. That's the kind of toilet paper I like. I'm not a quilted Northern guy. I'm not a Charmin. I'm not a store brand because I don't like sandpaper on my butt. Um, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm an angel soft guy. And this dude is filled to the brim with angel soft. So he's got the last one. And I said to him, I go, dude, what do you need all that for? And he goes, Oh, I'm just stocking up in case we get stuck in my house for months. I go, would you mind if I just took one of those packages? Because I only need one. And he wouldn't even let me have that. And I asked nicely. Um, so then I made a personal promise to myself that the next SOB that I see with a cart full of something that they don't need that much of, there's a good chance I'm going to flip the cart. So if you're listening, please tamp down the widespread panic and hoarding of what you consider essentials. I can tell you from somebody who works at the third largest distributor of food and non-food products in the United States of America, you are killing, killing the rest of the people around you. I can tell you that what we do is when we know that the winter's coming, the Northeast has an allocation of more stock for certain items that are high use in those months. The Southeast during hurricane season, we move or logistically maneuver stock to assist should there be a natural disaster. This virus has taken every industry by surprise. I can tell you that when you run out of toilet paper at your grocery store, you're not talking about a one-week turnaround to fill the shelf. You're talking three to four to six weeks. So please, the people that aren't hoarding, get what you need. Prepare. I'm not telling you not to prepare, but not a cart full of sanitizer, not a cart full of toilet paper. It's a little over the top, people. We have to tamp down the panic and work with what the CDC and the WHO are saying because they're not telling you to stockpile. What's obscene is that a lot of these people are putting these things on eBay for thousands of dollars, which is just like the I'd arrest worst every of the one worst. of them. <laughs> I'd arrest every single I, one of them. Bobby, I, I did mean, a I did an entire podcast on how to fix global warming, overpopulation, and stupid. And trust me, <laughs> it would work. Um, <laughs> well, good. On I don't want to get into that. I guess some of these places like Walmart and stuff are now putting people in the aisle to stop this, which is like the right thing to do. And you, you would have to think like, do we make a law about this? Like, do we do something temporarily to prevent this? Cause this does always happen. I mean, the stupid chicken sandwich at Popeye's was going oh for hundreds of dollars when, when that was in limited supply. And, and this does remind you quite a bit of so many different things you know, the fact that all these different things you take for granted in the grocery store aren't infinite and toilet paper certainly isn't either. I'll share my gripe on this one. And this is something that people really do need to consider. And I think Jalen Brown yesterday in his series of tweets did a good job reminding everybody this. The hospitals don't have unlimited resources either. Like there's not unlimited tests. There's not unlimited beds. There's not unlimited doctors and nurses, even though it feels that way on a regular day. And these people who just have a fun time going to the hospital, like it seems like an enjoyable place for them to go. They're not sick. They're not showing any symptoms. They don't even suspect that they have coronavirus, but they're going there because, you know, I might as well get a test, right? Like these people are inundating the healthcare system at this very moment in time. And that's something we can't have now. I actually heard this on uh, Kevin O'Connor's NBA podcast. He brought up this point. I thought it was a really good one. Like 
so much of what we're doing right now, whether it's shutting down these leagues, shutting down schools, is to prevent the healthcare system from just getting completely inundated but with people, right. which is really the worst case scenario because why, what we think is so treatable and so easy to recover from now might not be if there's not resources to help people recover if they're in dire need of these things. And like, I, you know, I've only gone to the ER once in my life and that was just on a regular February day in Syracuse. And I already saw like what a backed up disaster those places can be. So, you know, you have some people who are fine going there. Like that just really drives me crazy. So you have your toilet paper gripe. I have my hospital gripe. There's definitely <laughs> a lot of good information that can go around. And, you know, it, isn't that the silver lining of all this? Like, I feel like this whole week has really been massively informative for quite a number of different people like you know you're always going to have your people who are just information adverse but i feel like a very large amount of society in this week when they saw how serious it was getting when the leagues took a step to cancel their business they want to learn more about this and i feel like now even like the media and different you know organizations are doing a great job just trying to put positive good information out there whether it be through social media or websites or anything else the the last i don't know not gripe but the last bit of information i'll drop on people is the other thing i've been seeing a ton of because not only do i follow sports but i also follow you know finance and industry as well um and i see on the finance and industry side just about every second somebody's tweeting about how much they've lost in their 401 over the last 10 days. What, what are they going to lose? What should they do with their money? And folks, I, uh, the stock, you know, so stupid. that's the front page thing on the New York times every day. Friggin stock. And I'll, and I'll tell you, you know, as somebody who's invested in the market, I get it. You know, I, I, I get it, but you have to also have a realistic outlook at this. This is about, stabbing off a pandemic. This is about reducing exposure and reducing there. There, the panic in the, that you're seeing in the stock market now. Yes. Did you lose half of the value of your 401k over the last seven days? Yep. So did I, um, but it takes a business savvy individual to understand that when the market dips as fast and furious as it dipped, or it has, it's continuing to dip. Um, you have to be smart enough to understand the mechanism behind it. Now is not the time to liquidate your 401k and get out of the market. Now is the time to be patient, to sit back. When, a, when the market tanked in 08, when I was invested in the market in 08, when it tanked in 08, there were reasons behind it. The reasons were the mortgage crisis that we had, the balloon mortgages, the banks. We, there, there was the recession as a whole. There was plenty of indicators as to why that market dipped and took so long to recover. The market now, all the foundational pieces of the market are still in place. The market has dipped on fear of futures, not of presence and not of pasts. So it's on futures. It's supply chain futures. So look at your big guys like Apple, Microsoft. Look at your food manufacturers that do a lot of importing and exporting. These are the ones that you're seeing drop the market. Not to mention there's a crude battle going on right now across the, the globe from us. And that's driving down the price. Some people love the gas prices right now. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. So do I. I was I was yeah. just in I was in Alabama earlier this week. A gallon of gas is a dollar ninety two. I mean oh, that's wow. awesome. 
you know, and that's coming north. It starts, it always starts closer to the refineries and then it spreads up to the northeast and it almost it's never gets to California. Yeah, 214 near you, 210 by me. Um, I was in California last week. It was 398. Um, so, oh, <laughs> yeah, they never get any breaks. And that's that's because of the gas tax that they have in California, which is, you know, their gas tax is excessive at best. But, you know, that's a, that's a topic for another day. Bottom line is the market will rebound when when the virus levels off and then begins to tip down when fears of futures begin to resonate and and quell the market's dive, the market will rebound. Stand pat. Even though you know you've lost half of it, it's going to come back. You may not get all 50% of your 401k pack. You might end up at 40, 42, 44%, but it's coming back. You can't panic. The worst case scenario is everybody dumps out of the market when the market's down and we're in a, a world of hurt and we basically jumpstart a recession or a depression. That's what we don't want to see do. So if, if at all possible, keep your money where it is and, and ride the storm out with, with the, the quelling of the coronavirus, so too will the market go back up. I'm curious because I've wanted so much perspective this week and things have moved so fast that I've been unable to jump into stories of you know, old, old cases of stadiums played in front of empty stands. And I was thinking about that earlier this week. And I did see a good story about the uh, Siena team in 1989 that played a big playoff game in front of an empty crowd. And before you could even think, we weren't even talking about empty crowds anymore. It was no games whatsoever. And we never ultimately got to see what was supposed to happen tonight, the Warriors and Nets playing in front of an empty crowd at Chase Center, which for the Warriors this year probably wouldn't have been all that different given how they played. But um, I do want some historical perspective from you right now because, you know, I've just gone into like my life of being aware of the greater world and the news cycle and everything like that. So we talk about 2008. I was 10 years old. I wasn't all that locked into the financial (laughs) crisis, you know, like, I don't remember the news cycle back then. And then 9-11, forget about it. I was going to preschool that day. Wow. So those are like the three landmark events we're talking about now. And, you know, you don't want to compare them. But, like, these are three days, the financial collapse, 9-11, and now this coronavirus mass cancellation across the U.S. that are going to define different generations of people in this country. Um, How does just this week feel compared to those other two days? Um, I will tell you that in 2001, that would have made me 25. I was 25 in 2001. Um, there will never be a day like that day. There will never be the weeks and months that followed like the weeks and months that followed that day. It's it's a day that if you were of age, Bobby, it's a day that lives in infamy, very similar to the generation or the two generations in front of me that, uh, with, withstood December 7th, 1941 at Pearl Harbor. It was a day that lived in infamy. Um, and 9-11 for me and my generation, because I'm part of Gen X, it was definitely um, a day that will will live in infamy. Nothing will ever compare to it. Um, the 08, I, in 08, both of my boys were born. Um, I had a five and a three-year-old and 08 was more of a financial crisis and, you know, people that had poor mortgages or people that had mortgages that had 
to be honest with you, Bobby, no business having a mortgage to begin with. If you have a credit score under 600 and you have a mortgage, you were in trouble. Um, you know, it, it didn't affect large swaths of the population financially as drastically as it hit um, people that were in loans that were upside down, so to speak. There was a big sell-off and unemployment was really high um, due to panic in the market when the, the stock market crushed and, and cascaded downward. Um, but it was predicated on poor mortgages and, and subprime rates and, and basically a lot of stuff that nobody really understood. It was just that John and Jane went to the bank and they didn't think they were going to get a house. And next thing you know, they had no money down. They had you know, a, a balloon interest rate and they couldn't afford the house they were in. So they were getting out of their houses. And with that, you saw a, a contraction of the industries in the United States with their workforces contracting down to kind of withstand the recession. Um, what I'm seeing now with the coronavirus, both from a public perspective and from a financial perspective, is I'm seeing widespread panic, widespread panic in the financial markets, widespread panic in the public sector. And, you know, the public sector panic isn't probably really the greatest term. I think there's there's pockets of panic, but primarily there's an abundance of caution. And I think, to your point, with the leagues all kind of uniformly in the last 24 hours getting together and saying, we're not going to play, we're suspending, what you're seeing is out of an abundance of caution for human life, they're, they're choosing to sacrifice finance, whether it be earned income through the individual teams, whether it be the independent uh, part-time workers at the individual arenas and stadiums that they play at, whether it be the actors um, on, on Broadway. They're, they're basically taking steps in an effort to protect human life by restricting the pathways for, for continued spread of the coronavirus. Um, they're, they're three very separate events. However, I do believe that 20 years from now, if you say to somebody, uh, what, what, what was 9-11? I think you get like a 60-40 split of people that knew what it was. Um, if you ask them the same question about the 08 collapse of the economy and the, the recession, I think maybe one out of 10 remembers it in specifics. In 20 years from now, if you ask about the coronavirus outbreak, the suspension of uh, professional and collegiate sports across the United States, the, um, the situation as it stands today and as it will progress over the, the course of the next couple of weeks, I think you'll get people that remember it as if it were yesterday. Because it's even though we are an instant gratification populace, it's, it's one of those stories that most, uh, most items in the news cycle – cycle for about 48 to 72 hours these days. Um, max, max. I mean, you can have, you can have an elected official or a candidate for office have a huge gap and 48 hours later, they're back on top of the world. Um, it's, it's bizarre. However, this has legs as they used to say in the news business, when something was a story that was going to continue to build, it had legs uh, coronavirus has legs. It's on every major network, almost 24-7, across all the major news networks. Um, the individual major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, you're getting cut-ins on a regular basis. You're getting your local news, <laughs> yeah. nothing but it. it it's, That's it's, the it's problem. Omnip it's omnipresent at the, at the moment. 
And that's the, there's a balance here. There's precaution and there's panic, like we talk about. And we're sitting on a fine line between those two things. I think a lot of the messaging that's come out over the last week or two has been productive in bringing it back toward precaution. But, yeah, that nonstop media cycle really does ingrain in people's head, especially people who, you know, like my grandma who are at home pretty much all day and you know that's the view they get of the outside world is what the news is giving them and when you just see when you're just inundated the way people have been with this coverage it brings it to a larger scale and I saw a great post on Instagram earlier that kind of put this in perspective Um, really good data right here about 80 percent who are who have coronavirus right now it's mild 14 percent are severe four percent critical Um, So far, 40% are currently ill, 56% have recovered, and 3.5% have died worldwide. Um, There's a whole age chart of the people who are most at risk, and it sways wildly towards 60-plus. And then some of the other factors that increase the seriousness of it, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, uh, abnormally high blood pressure, cancer, um, 0.9%. Autoimmune disorder. Yeah, Yeah, 0.9% with no existing conditions um, have died. So, you know, you definitely see the serious of it with the stats here. Um, There's a country by country thing. I do have this up on my Instagram, bman26. It's a really good post. And then, you know, another great stat, 56 have died per day of coronavirus. And you look at other diseases worldwide, malaria, 2,000 per day, pneumonia, 2,000 per day, hepatitis B, 2,400, tuberculosis, 3,000. 3, and then you look at the media coverage, media oh mentions, <laughs> and get ready for this. SARS, uh, what is the span here? I'm trying to see what the span is for this. I don't know what the span is for this, but SARS, oh, this must be the big outbreaks of the last like 10, 20 years. SARS yes. got mentioned 56 million times, HIV, 40 million, MERS, 23 million, Ebola, 11 million. Do you want to take a guess at coronavirus's mention number? I'm going to guess 256 million. 1.1 billion. Oh, my God. I was, I was 25% of the total. Holy crap. <laughs> and it feels like it, right? Like it is oh, it does. Been, like pumped up to another level and there's lots of different factors that go into that like this is really the first one that's been a tightly political issue like there's never been an outbreak that's been as like politically decisive as this one um whether it's people blaming the president or trying to defend the president for how they've responded to this like it's been that situation where um everyone's rallying around their side on any given issue and even a national pandemic can't be something that we come together over. So I think that does play a lot into this. Um, but you know, like, like we say, that's an issue for another day, but that is why we have the panic versus the uh, precaution situation we do. Now, now Bobby, here's what you would call a pro segue. Now with people self, um, quarantining themselves with people that are under mandated quarantines that are in the affected groups. What better product could we offer them than HelloFresh? It's America's number one meal kit. 
They can get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to their door. They don't even have to go outside. And it came out no, today no. that coronavirus only lasts on cardboard for 24 hours. So bring it you in. Talk about you know. a stock that's going up. <laughs> right. All you have to do is literally cook and enjoy it. It, it. You don't even have to be a chef. You could be a single person, a dink, which is double income, no kids. You could be a family like mine, small or large. doesn't really matter. They have a, a meal plan that will work for you. So if you want $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, simply go to HelloFresh.com forward slash CLNS80 and enter the code CLNS80, and you're going to get 80 bucks off your first month. It's a no-brainer with the current situation that we're in in the country. I want to get to how this is going to impact each one of us, even though that's probably small in the grand scale of things. But, you know, it's good to make a personal connection to things. I do want to get into what we foresee the future of this being for the NBA, whether we'll see the Celtics play again anytime soon, and maybe even some silver linings to this for the NBA. And that I've, I've consumed a ton of information, a ton of reporting about this over the last 24 hours, and there could possibly be some silver linings to this for the NBA. So we'll get to that for in a minute. For me, like this is, it's been kind of a jarring week because I had been wrapping up my Syracuse coverage, um, expecting it to end fairly soon. Uh, they were going to be playing in the NIT probably, and I didn't even expect them to win yesterday. So it was a pleasant surprise to see them win by almost 30 the way they did over North Carolina. And I'm watching that, Joe, and I'm just savoring every minute of that act. I bet, I bet. Not only, were they playing, not only were they playing amazing, but you just knew in the back of your head, this is probably the last game I'm going to be watching for a very long time. Never mind the fact that it was certainly going to be the last game in front of fans for a the foreseeable future and some West coast games wrapped up after that. But once the night time came around, I had a really good feeling that that was going to be it for Syracuse. So my season covering Syracuse is just about over. Um, I was obviously heavily involved in Celtics coverage on here on Celtics blog on CLNS media. And now that's kind of out the window and I'm texting Nick last night and he is just, <laughs> he, he manages tons and tons of podcasts, tons and tons of content here. And now we're all, all suddenly without any sports whatsoever for the media machine to churn through and talk about every single day. So it's a shock to people like that. I mean, think of ESPN, how much of their existence is dedicated to live rights to sports games. And now they're talking about just running sports center day in and day out. Well, there's, there's no games to talk about. There's not really any like stories to talk about with people in quarantine. Like, I guess we can just run this coverage into the ground for the next month or two, but I think people are going to get tired of that pretty fast. There's definitely a gap for someone like me uh, that I'm trying to think about filling. And, you know, certainly you can look into some history. That would be fun. Um, you can look into like perspectives for league stopping. And we have, we do have history for this. Like we all know the story of Ted Williams stopping his career for a couple of years to go fight in World War II. And uh, of course, 9-11 all sports stopped for approximately a week. And there's different perspectives you can draw. But really, when we think about how much content we're able to drive through day in and day out, write about and all those different things it's going to be a dramatic change for a lot of people like even i work at the local paper here now joe the high school sports are getting called off so i don't know what i'm going to be covering for the high school paper in my mind i'm probably just going to take a step back reflect probably get a little break off from social media which will be good 
maybe write a little bit about music. I mean, that's something I always like to do, but don't have a lot of time to do. Reading is something I think a lot of us could do a little bit more of. And it's just an interesting place to be in. And, you know, you, of course, you have a day job that you're going to continue to push through. And that's a big focus of you. You have a family to look after. Like those are obviously going to continue to be big priorities of yours. But even for you as a big time sports fan, like they definitely must feel like there's a gap in your life now. There's a huge gap, Bobby, and I'll, and you know, number one, it, first and foremost, I've I've mentioned it on the post game here before. I've mentioned it on my podcast as well. People need to understand as much as I love the Boston Celtics, I love all Boston teams, whether it be the Bruins, the Red Sox, the Patriots, the Celtics. Um, not a huge Revolution fan, but I digress. Um, there's a huge void coming up for me on March 25th which is the kickoff of the MLB season, which now is not kicking off. When I think of my fandom of the teams in Boston, um, it's a 1-1-A Red Sox Patriots. And it flip-flops year to year. It just really depends on who has the better storylines, who's kind of grabbing my attention at that moment. Celtics number close number three. And then at the bottom is the, uh, the Bruins. I still follow them. But primarily, playoff hockey is kind of my thing. Or if it's a random Tuesday, Celtics aren't playing, I'm going to watch the Bruins. I'm not going to have any of those options available to me um, in regards to adjusting through my professional life. I travel for a living. Um, my company put out a notice on Monday while I was traveling that um, basically kiboshed all international travel for my company, which doesn't affect me per se. Uh, but you know, and I know that it starts with international travel. It'll end with domestic travel. Um, you know, a lot of the work that I do in essence, not efficiently, but can still be accomplished through WebEx, um, through teleconferencing. So there are other opportunities, other avenues available to me, but talk about a, sh a shift in the paradigm of your day-to-day -day life. I'm used to getting on planes. I'm on a first name basis. This is, I don't know if it's good, bad, or sad, <laughs> but I am on a first name basis with every ticket agent at Manchester Boston Regional Airport, every TSA employee <laughs> at Manchester Boston Regional Airport, every gate agent at Manchester Boston Regional Airport. I, Get out of here. <laughs> it's my second home. If you've ever seen Up in the Air with Clooney, I'm Clooney without the bag and the looks. Um, <laughs> but basically, that's me. I walk in, they go, hey, Joe, how are you? I'm great. Where are you off to today? I'm going to Chicago. Okay, well, when are you coming back? Wednesday. Oh, I'm working Wednesday. I'll see you then. All right, sounds great. And then I get on my plane. Um, that's going to probably change for me. In fact, you know, speaking of Chicago specifically this coming week, uh, I'm done traveling this week, but next week I actually have to travel. It's a, it's a non-negotiable trip, but I have to go to Quantico, Virginia to meet with the Marines. When I'm done with Quantico, my next trip is the following week. I have to go to Chicago for four days and tour Brookdale senior living facilities. Yeah, that's a hard no. Um, so that, that schedule, that's getting rescheduled like the NBA, like the MLB and like the NHL, we're going to reschedule that TBD. Um, you know, there are certain risks that you have to assume in your professional life because you have to, if you have a job and you want to continue in that job and you don't have the ability to just self quarantine and stay home and, you know, dip your head in the sand until this passes, you have to make conscious adjustments. So for me, um, I'm not necessarily the most social individual once I'm on the aircraft. To me, that's 
it's like a bus that flies. Would you talk to the person, a stranger sitting next to you on the bus? Well, I'm not talking to you on the airplane either. I don't care about your grandkids. I don't care about your, your niece and nephew. I don't care where you're going on vacation to. I'm going to work and I talk for a living at work. I'm in sales. It's what I do. When I come home, I enjoy doing post games and podcasts because it's an opportunity for me to get the shit that's rattling around in my head out. So I appreciate those. But when I'm on an airplane, I'm the most antisocial SOB you've ever met in your life. I got my AirPod Pros in on noise canceling mode. They're not (laughs) even playing music half the time, Bobby. It's just to create the environment for which I don't want to be bothered. As soon as I'm in the seat and we're done boarding, iPads out, Netflix on, and I don't want to talk to you. One of the adjustments I've made in the last week, I have a small bottle of hand sanitizer. I have Sani wipes that I wipe down the tray table with. I, and I refuse to use airport bathrooms or aircraft bathrooms. To me, those are Petri dishes for every known pathogen on the planet and not a risk I'm willing to take, you know, because I do have kids at home. I got three high schoolers and one middle schooler at home. I don't want to bring it to them. Lord knows what they're bringing home to me. You know, why do I need to compound that issue? So I just try to, you know, I'm trying to make some, some moderate changes to my daily behavior. Um, the lack of sports, the lack of, at night unwinding is going to, to be an adjustment. I'm sure like you um, I'll find different avenues for one. I know that I just cut my third podcast in seven days. Uh, so I cut it literally yeah. before we went live tonight. So <laughs> I, I've kind of found the fire again. I've got good topics to talk about. Unfortunately, the news cycles and this virus are just creating so much content for content creators that there's, a litany of topics to pull from at any given time and expound, expound on. So I have that. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's just going to come down to, to riding out the storm, so to speak. The, the scariest part, I think, for the general populace is the unknown. You know, it's still early. It's still in its infancy in the United States. It's already kind of peaked and begun to, if you believe everything you read, it's peaked and begun to wane in China. It looks like it's peaking in South Korea now and has an opportunity in the coming weeks to begin to wane. Italy seems to be at their peak or close to their peak. um, And then eventually they'll wane down. Now that it's in the U.S., I think we're going to see, it's definitely, there's going to be a rise before there's a fall. And the, 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 the overall numbers, once they all start coming in, I think you'll see the death rate driven down somewhat because of the abundance of cases and the abundance of people surviving that case. However, I, I think that when you do that graph out that you mentioned earlier and you look at the high risk groups, I think they're going to be severely impacted by this. And, you know, sadly so. I have family members that have um, pul- you know, underlying pulmonary issues and and, and that make them susceptible. I have elderly people in my family that are susceptible within that, that high spike range on the graph. Um, My father has a 21 day cruise book to go from Fort Lauderdale through the Panama canal and dock in Seattle. He canceled that today. Yeah. Um, The cruises were the first to go. (laughs) They really were. Cause I mean, they're a Petri dish on water to begin with. And now you want to put in a, a highly contagious, you know, at least three times a year. And it doesn't matter what cruise lines. I won't mention any of them because I don't want anybody to think I'm bad talking any of them. But any one of the cruise lines, at least three times a year, has a norovirus outbreak on a on a cruise. And they, you know, they end up sickening a third of the people that went on the cruise. 
you couldn't pay me prior to coronavirus to get on a cruise ship. You will never be able to pay me to get on one now. I'd rather go to an <laughs> island, have somebody bring me a drink, or I'll rent a house and read a book. I mean, that's that's kind of my vacation persuasion. I'm not interested in going on a cruise ship with my 2,000 closest friends and, and worry about neuro, corona, and E. coli. I'll pass. Hard pass. <laughs> Yeah, that that is done for quite a few people. So that that industry is going to have to find a way to figure things out first and foremost, because I don't think anyone's going to be stepping near those for quite a while. Um, but yeah, it does make you think people in those industries, you talk about the airport, and there's people working for tips at the airport. And if people aren't showing up to the airport, you know, those people aren't getting paid. And there's lots of different ways. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of different means and funds and different things with people stepping up to support other people. So it's definitely a time to be generous. It's definitely a time to think about ways that you can help other people and be more selfless. And I see a wave of these things. It's very optimistic how people have stood up and combated these things, even when it's not on their own benefit, like these sports leagues, they bring it back to the Celtics to bring it back yeah. to um, what we got here to get into these owners these leagues, they could have fought tooth and nail to say, oh, let's just see how it goes. And, of course, Rudy Gobert being in the headlines sped this up immensely. There was really no argument that the NBA could have made to go forward after Rudy Gobert played the Celtics and played all these other teams within the last week. Um, is around his own teammates who are certainly not happy with him. <laughs> right. The report right away after he came down with that, and, of course, Donovan Mitchell did too, were teammates unnamed who were saying he was not taking this seriously. And we saw it on the video of him rubbing all the reporters' microphones. And now he is getting ripped to shreds in the media, rightfully so, to a point where it's probably gotten a little excessive. I mean, I think he learned what he did was ridiculous just by coming down with the disease in itself. But um, he, he put out a pretty heartfelt apology today, too, for the way he was acting. Um, then it was pretty. It was a pretty heavy dose of karma that he was the one who came down with it because we all saw oh, the video. Sure. <laughs> so it was. This, this there were twenty nine. There were twenty nine out of thirty teams that were on board with suspending playing without yep. crowds or just suspending. There was one team. One team. Their owner was hard pressed on. Let's just wait it out and see how it goes. And it's no surprise that it's probably the worst managed franchise in the NBA. The New York Knicks, Mr. Dolan, I'm okay to say it, Bobby. Um, he kicked Spike Lee out last week. That that should be he that did. should tell you everything you need to know. And think about <laughs> he could have saved himself from the headlines through this. Like this is a massive relief. You talk about some of the storylines and things that have just been flashed off. The Red Sox and Mookie, no one's even thinking about that anymore. The Kyrie Irving saga with the coach firing in Brooklyn, we had a whole show queued up for that on my podcast that just never came out because of how rapidly this developed. So no one's even going to think about that for the foreseeable future. And the New York Knicks, who were part of that episode as well for the whole Spike Lee incident, they have to put out a press statement disavowing their biggest fan, making him look awful in the headlines. And all of that could have just disappeared in the news cycle. And instead, they put themselves right <laughs> once again by being the only team that wanted to play through the coronavirus. I mean, they're whether the, you believe you wanted to or not, you had to have an idea that 
who was for it and who was against it was going to come out in some way. And they didn't care. They wanted to just roll forward so bad that they were going to put themselves in the headlines again for wanting to be the team that wanted to push through coronavirus. I mean, there is just, if I'm a Knicks fan, I would have given up a long time ago. I would have given up when Patrick Ewing retired. I mean, honestly, the the Knicks are the NBA's version of the NFL's Los Angeles Lakers or um, New York Jets. I mean, they're just they're the laughing they're the laughing stock of the league. They're they're mismanaged from the top down. It's a rotted tree. And the only time the only chance the Knicks have of actually rebounding into a decent, respected NBA franchise is to change ownership groups. And unfortunately, I don't see that happening anytime in the near future. However, maybe with this financial crunch that the league will be feeling, um, maybe Dolan jumps out. But I'm not 100 percent sure. Bomani Jones had a really fun. He was like, "How could we come up with a rule to get this guy out of here? Like, what kind of technicality could we come up with to get him out?" And his producer comes on and says, "How about a rule that says NBA owners cannot perform on stage?" <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know he picked the band over the team. <laughs> oh yes, he did. Oh wow! So. We're getting into the uh, final stages of the show here. It's been a good one. Um, it's been nice to just let everything out tonight, as Joe always says, because yesterday was one of the most stressful days of my life, just watching everything develop the way it did. I had to write a big feature yesterday, so I was in the library, and I was just so attached to my phone that, like, 4 o'clock became 8 o'clock like nothing, and the whole day just absolutely flew by more than any other day. I've ever felt and it's definitely going to be one that I remember for a long long time so now we look ahead because it's going to be kind of a slow drag as everybody just chills out and waits for this to pass it's not going to be easy we're all very attached to our entertainment and quite a few avenues for entertainment have disappeared now Um, but as Brian Windhorst and others said last night there's definitely some adjustments that the league could make out of this Um, we're definitely talking about a scenario where We were looking at this 65 games into the season to the Celtics at least when this all went down. And if we jump right into the playoffs, we're talking about a season that's roughly 66 games, just like 2012 was when the Celtics made the Eastern Conference Finals. That was a lockout shortened season. And everything turned out just fine with that schedule. So we've definitely talked about expanding the schedule over the course of the year so we don't have situations like the Celtics we're going to be facing today in Milwaukee tonight and then back in Boston versus the Wizards the next night. The NBA has talked so long about getting rid of those back-to-backs, and there really wasn't a lot of you know progress made on that end. They had gotten rid of quite a few of them, but it still feels like the Celtics have a back-to-back every other week at this point in the current schedule. So do you reduce games? Do you – push the season back as they talked about at the MIT conference. That's certainly something we could be looking at because the NBA playoffs are in June or July. And then the finals are into August. I don't think we're talking about the 2020 season starting in uh, September as it has been with training camp just a month later. I think players are going to want some time off to uh, reflect after a long, long season that it's about to be here. And, you know, if they cancel the season entirely, we're talking about massive financial ramifications that the league is going to have to make up because we were already talking about sliding figures for the league, like minimally, 
but the money was contracting a little bit for this league, and that was hurting the salary cap. These were just minor things, the whole China incident. But the NBA does have to make some tough choices here on how it's going to carry itself forward. It's been a league that's been very uh, momentum-driven, whether it's Twitter, whether it's the Reddit streams that people can easily access. It's a very easily accessible league that financially wasn't killing it as much as the hype around it would seem. So does it move the schedule ahead to Christmas, as people talked about, and try to get in its own lane and get away from the football season? That's certainly a possibility. Do we condense this season? Do we do some of these tournaments that we've talked about? We, we talked about so many hypotheticals, Joe. This is now a situation where the NBA is actually going to be in a position to adopt a lot of these out of necessity. And I don't know which one of these sound good to you, but a, a season with more spread out games sounds good to me. I wouldn't be a hundred percent in favor of less basketball, but if they want to cut it down 10 games or whatever, and get rid of those rest days for players, I think that'd be a nice compromise there because that was certainly a problem for the league. What would you like to see the league come out of this and do whenever it does come back? Well, if, if there's an opportunity for them to continue to play games in the 2019, 2020 season, then Ultimately, I'd like them, you know, let's say it's a one month hiatus. Let's say that it's April 12th now and we're talking about restarting the NBA uh, from that point forward. I'd almost. I'd, I'd definitely want to see the the number of remaining games condensed down, if not to to still fall within the same time frame as the, the typical playoffs or extended out say two or three weeks beyond where it would typically end. That's going to be a reduction of gains, which is also a reduction of revenue and a reduction of hours for our part-time employees at the stadiums and arenas. That being said, I think it assists in salvaging the season, affording the league, the fans, the teams, the arenas, the playoff push, which as you know, and I know, um, it can be absolutely lights out bananas in those, those arenas during the playoffs. Um, And then next year, yes, look at possibly taking from the lessons of this year and building in more rest days for your players, um, elongating the season, say two or three additional weeks, I think would afford you the opportunity to really extend the rest period for the individual players. So that way you get the best play out of each one, each night or the potential to get the best out of each player each night and not compete with the NFL. I think if you want to compete with the NFL, you have up until about week two, the end of week two of the preseason in the NFL. So if you take a look at your calendar and see where that falls, I'm pretty sure that's right around the second week in August. That's your max end finals game seven date. You can't really go in because once you get to, preseason week three and preseason week four, you're starting to see more and more of the star power funnel into the NFL preseason games. And you're starting to really, from a fan's perspective, understand the makeup of, of your NFL team for that season. So you don't really, I, I think the NBA stands to lose trying to go head to head against NFL because it is such a driven uh, fan base that they they're single-minded during that season. I mean, I don't think about the, I I told you they're one and one a in my fandom. I never think about the Red Sox 
after the World Series or after they're eliminated from the playoffs or they're mathematically eliminated from the potential to be in the playoffs. From that moment forward, I'm done. I'm on to the, I'm on to the other teams. I, I peripherally look back at it, but not with the same fandom I would if I was invested and they were the only thing that I was watching. So ultimately, I'd like to see them extend next year out with the additional rest and take some of these back-to-backs off the, the schedule and actually make it a noticeable change. Uh, while still contracting this season and affording their an opportunity to be an NBA Finals champion. Um, and I'd like to see that play out that way. I mean, I'm, I'm, looking, at the, I'm looking at the standings right now, and I'm just kind of figuring out, like, if they went – what if there were no more games and they just had to start the playoffs? Celtics are the three seed, and you're six Here we seed. go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> How can that you not? We, that path we talked about <laughs> – you know, just the other day on the show, oh, God, how are they going to get out of this lineup against Philly, Toronto, and Milwaukee? If this season's right. fired up, let's, let's, let's get it on. The Celtics will be healthy. It, this is the silver lining on that end, that Kemba knee concern, Jalen's hamstring, everybody worn out to pieces. It is going to be kind of nice to see everybody in the flow of things. But on the other hand, is everybody going to be staying at the appropriate level of shape for a month if it's off? Like, there's a balance there. And there probably is going to need to be some time before the playoffs start. I don't think they would jump into it if it is April 12th, like you suggested. Um, There's definitely got to be maybe 10 games or so as, like, a warm-up period to get into those playoffs. And I'm sure the Portlands and San Antonio's and those teams out west are going to want a shot at getting in with that eight seed. Um, right, even right. though Memphis Memphis has earned it fairly well at this point, they've been the eighth seed for quite a while, but I think there's a good compromise there where you say everybody can get back together and get going again and then get into the playoffs. But like, there's another concern too, where you fire this back up again, maybe everybody has their health situation sorted away at that point. But then what if somebody gets it again through the travel through um, interaction right. with fans. Would there be fans for the playoffs? That's a huge question. Those are some of the logistical things that make it difficult to say, let's just jump right back into this come playoff time when it usually would have been. Maybe the situation calms down in the summer. And to tell you the truth, Joe, the summer is usually just such a dead time that seeing the NBA playoffs in July and August wouldn't be all that bad to me. Like I'm a big baseball fan too, but it is tough to sit through some of those games midway through the season. Having a few playoff games every other day would be a nice change. Um, Certainly people like to have time to get their mind off things in the summer and get away from sports a little bit. And the players certainly like to have that summertime too, but you know, this is, this is a season of experimentation now. See how it goes, see what kind of attention the league's able to get. Um, you know, maybe they could even try out that tournament as a like intro to the playoffs, have like the non-playoff teams do that tournament as a way to make some money back for the other franchises. There's, there's a lot of different ways that they can go with this. And I'm open to anything because the NBA doesn't have to commit to anything fully by doing this. They can say these are extreme circumstances. We're going to see how these things go. So that's the silver lining. Um, it'll be nice to see the Celtics whenever they're back together again with a healthy lineup because they just could not get it together toward the end of what was the season with Jalen, Jason, Tice, like every other week it was another person missing time. So that's what I'm excited for whenever the Celtics do get back is them being at full strength. And at that point I'm ready to go Philly, Toronto, anybody. If the Celtics are fully healthy at that point, 
I know other teams are going to get healthier too. The Celtics stand to benefit from that more than most teams, which is uh, definitely optimistic. So that's our show for tonight. Great to catch up with you, Joe. You record a podcast tonight as well, Brain Droppings. Everyone should check that out for sure. Our own Joel Pavone was on that too, right? He was, he was. I brought one of CLNS Media's very own Joel Pavone on. He also has the Causeway podcast. Um, All of our podcasts, whether it's here on CLNS Media or mine or Joel's, uh, are all found on iTunes or wherever you consume podcasts. So check us all out. Tomorrow I'll be recording with Dr. Flynn, um, who does sports medicine medicine for uh, Boston Sports Journal. Uh, she's obviously had quite a bit to say about this breakup from the start. So I'm uh, definitely interested to hear from a medical expert on the yeah. outlook for this kind of situation. So I'll be having her on the podcast, now known as Dome Theory on CLNS Media here. So stay tuned for that on Saturday. And this is Thursday. We're getting into Friday. Thanks that we're not going to have any games for the foreseeable future, Joe, but there are some big plans for the Celtics post-game show airways. Some will include us. Some will include some other big names that may be coming here soon, depending nice. on what the outlook is of this. So stay tuned for all that. For now, stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands um, and try to adjust to this new life that we're in. Try to stay sane through it and um, have a good rest of your week, rest of your month, whenever we talk again. Appreciate everybody being with us here this this season, and we'll see you whenever we come out of this. This has been the Celtics Post Game Show on CLNSRadio.com. Thanks for listening. The Celtics might not be in action every day, but we are, so stay connected. Follow us on Twitter at CLNS Radio and check out our broadcast schedule for the best weekly sports podcasts on the web. <laughs>